This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing it and miss, thankfully it's over! The Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 159 of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, and the link to our Apple Podcast feed is right above your video window. You can click that and find all of our shows right there. Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the Los Angeles Angels, splitting the set 2-2. Two to two. I am Terry Cushman, and I'm joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and Matt Clark. How are you guys? Closer to football season? <laughs> oh, God. That's like, uh, I hate football. Hopefully Matt's you and about better. You and about six other people in the continental <laughs> United States. Uh, I thought it was seven, but okay. Uh, um, I'm rounding down. Okay. I'm, I'm right there with with Jeremy on this one. It's uh, preseason Giants. I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Shut up. No one gives a fuck about the Giants. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, not giving... Oh, uh, and I'm already in the swear jar, so there we go. He did. Everybody in their that, offices... That's, it, Matt, that's your dollar in the swear jar, not mine. <laughs> Everybody in their the offices just shut us off. But uh, that's fine. Um... Okay. Terry, you're a robot. You can't hear me? Now you're there. Okay. What? Yeah. Well, that's because I forgot to take my other device off of Wi-Fi. But anyway, while I'm uh, fiddling with this now, let's uh, just get into heroes and zeros. We haven't done that for uh, a few shows, so we'll kind of get back into the old rhythm here. Uh, Jeremy, who's your hero? So here's the situation. We win game one. We win game two. Matt starts puffing his chest in the private messages on Twitter, starts talking about buying tickets for the wild card game, and Porcello comes out and gives you five innings, five hits, five runs, all earned, three strikeouts, and two big, big flies. His ERA is now 5.67. He sucks. And I have I don't recall a player in modern professional sports in North America have a bigger contractual dumpster fire of a season than this guy. 
It has been. I mean, he has cost himself maybe $80 million. At the beginning of the year, we were talking about re-upping him. Or if it wasn't from the Red Sox, a team would give him the four to five years at $80 million. I'm going to assume he's going to be on a one-year deal next year for whoever he decides to settle for uh, because they're not going to uh, tender him. He's not going to get a long-term deal. Even if he gets a multi-year deal, it's not going to be a four- or five-year deal. There's just no way. This guy has cost himself a ton of money with how bad he's performed. And and in a moment where, you know, again, and this has been, you know, the, the modus operandi for the season, momentum, momentum killed immediately by a bad start. I mean, it is the story of the 2019 Red Sox, and Porcello just sucks, and I'm just exhausted um, to the point where, you know, where Sale turns the corner, and you're like, oh, you know, maybe, we, maybe we're kind of on to something here. He gives you nothing. Um, you know, I don't hate the player. He's been a good Red Sox. He's won a Cy Young. He's been a big part of a World Series team. He's a competitor, keeps his mouth shut, says the right thing. I don't hate the player. I hate his performance this year, and... His uh, start on yesterday, which was Saturday, was just horrendous. And uh, so, for those reasons, Parcel is my zero. Okay. We know we're rusty when we do the zeros first on accident, but we'll go with it. Um, you thought that that was on accident? <laughs> I, apparently. I was I was dealing with the tech issue uh, as well, but... Um, oh, that's my way of covering up for the fact that I clearly uh, missed it. So, oh. But I think I rebounded quickly. So you did, just, you did. We're, we're going to do the zeros first here. Okay. Terry, who do you got? Uh, well, let's talk about Porcello. Um, everything you said is accurate, Jeremy, so there you go. That makes up totally for, you know, starting off uh, with zeros. Can you can you cut that so we can use it as a drop later, please? Uh, uh, there might be a way. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, here's my thing. We know he sucks. He punched out a couple of TVs a few weeks ago. Um, he's, he's terrible. And, and like I said, a a couple of shows ago, it's like he's, he's walking the tightrope and more often than not, he falls. Sometimes he gets out of an intense jam that, uh, home run that ended up being a three run shot to Upton. He was ahead in the count. It was a one-two count, and then he and then he gives that up, and you know, and then he settles down for a couple of innings, and then Mike Trout was due for his first home run at Fenway, so he served that up, and he's absolutely frustrating to watch. But here's the question: We all we know for a fact is we've got Sale, Price, Erod, and Avaldi next year. At least two of those guys are going on the DL. If we're lucky, it'll only be two. And if we're even luckier, it'll be a short stint. So I just feel like we're going to have to replace him. I just don't know how we find the depth, basically. And Matt Barnes is is a free agent coming up. Uh, I'm assuming the Red Sox can probably retain him at a decent price you know he's not going to get a kelly deal by any means but if you're not going to have a good bullpen you got to have starting pitching depth and we don't have either so it's just tough to get a feel for 
what our pitching is going to look like next year. Because it would be really easy to give Rick Porcello a qualifying offer. Nobody would touch him because they're not giving up a draft pick for him. But as you outlined, he's not a $17 million pitcher. So that's not really viable. So I guess I'm just I'm just concerned. Well, that that and you don't move forward if you stay with Porcello, and I think this team's ready to move forward with that start uh, that spot in the rotation. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Matt, Matt that we we were bashing Porcello's Matt's boy, by the way. So I'd love to see him try to defend himself. Here. <laughs> Here's what I'll say, uh, you know. Versus some of the other guys that have pitched so terrible. Um, I, he's a guy I can make a case for having an opener for because he's always terrible in the first inning. And and that was the case again yesterday. He was terrible in the first inning. Gives up the three runs, gives up the bomb to uh, to pool host. And then from there, he completely shuts everybody down for the next 14 batters. And it wasn't a control thing because he didn't walk anybody. So he was he was vintage Porcello after giving up that three run bomb in the first, and then you know obviously Trout got him for two more and and you know in the fifth inning. But until then he hadn't pitched terrible. So and he ate some innings. So that's more that can be said for a lot of these guys. Uh, that can that's more than Kashner can say. That's more than uh, Brian Johnson can say. So there is that, but. It's, you know, uh, that's about all I can say positive on there. And and I don't get it. Um, it, it definitely isn't a control issue for him. Uh, he's not walking, guys. He's just getting hit hard. So um, whether that's the baseball, whether that's just he's catching more of the plate and guys are smashing it, I don't know what it is. It, it's Do not, not like he's all turned and wild like Kashner where, you know, Kashner, we'll get to him in a minute. Um but, I mean, he, he was walking guys and had zero control over it. So, you know, at least he ate some innings. Uh, that's about the only positive takeaway I have. Uh, I would say re-sign him next year because he is an over, he's an every-other-year guy. So, you know, you might as well sign him for one year and then let him walk after next year. Please, let's not blame the baseball. Although I will say that him not throwing strikes – especially with Porcello's pedigree, would be a lot more encouraging than just general, as Terry would say, suckage in the strike zone. Because the command can be fixed with guys that have the track record to be strike throwers. And so you're right. I mean, he he didn't have any walks in his start yesterday. He just got, you know, he had two home runs and he, he just wasn't good. But um, that's, I think, the, the sign that's, here, that's why I don't think he's capable of getting a long-term deal. I, his stuff has been so bad within the strike zone. He's been hit so hard that it, it almost looks like he's kind of his where by years he could still be towards the end of his prime. It doesn't. It looks like he may be. And look, this season, it, it's he's thrown he's thrown enough innings, enough starts where it's not an aberration. I mean, he just doesn't have it. So you wonder. If that means maybe his career, he's, he's quicker to the back slope than some. You know what's going to happen, though? The uh, Astros are going to get rid of Wade Miley, despite his good year, and then they're going to offer Porcello $10 million, and then 
he's going to have a 275 ERA next year. At like, yeah, at 10 million a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I jokingly said after he gave up that three-run shot to, to Upton, you know, I hope he's uh, looking forward to his $5 million Orioles contract next year. Because that, that's what will happen. I mean, I, I was being a little facetious with the Astros scenario, even though, I mean, who knows? That that could be likely. Um, and especially, who knows what they're going to do with Garrett Cole at this point, they let Keiko walk. So, uh, but with Porcello, I mean, he could literally sign anywhere. And if, even if it's the Mariners, they're just going to hope he catches fire that he's lights out and becomes a decent trade asset by July 31st, you know? So that's going to be, that's going to be how his market plays, uh, in the, in the off season. Uh, any, if you go, we can go ahead uh, with Matt, your, uh, your zero for the series. Yeah, my zero for the series is going to be, uh, it's going to be Andrew Kashner. I mean, again, I feel like we beat the same drums repeatedly with these guys, but here you have Kashner, you know, they brought him in there. He's going to be better than whoever they have for the spot starts. He was our big acquisition. Again, you've heard Dombrowski talk about that a million times. And here we are. He comes in today, or into today's series where they really need to win it. And he gives them an inning and two-thirds, three hits, five walks, 1K, three earned runs. And, and again, I don't know if there was some sort of pact right out of the, right out of the gate where, you know, after the Chris Sale start, the, the Red Sox were obligated to give three runs, like a spot a three-run lead, but they literally spotted a three-run lead to the Angels every single game other than the sale game. So he, he just he pitched like crap again. An already taxed bullpen got taxed even more. Um, he now stands at one and five with the Red Sox. Uh, he's got an 801 ERA with them and just over 30 innings pitched. I mentioned in the last show that he had 62 innings left uh, before uh, there was an automatic vesting option uh, for him that that was picked up, uh, and that would be $10 million for next year. I think he gets uh, designated for assignment. I, I was sitting here going, wow, 62 innings, that's a little bit of time. Or, or that's, that's not a lot of starts. We're talking maybe 10 starts or whatever. But I mean, at this rate, going uh, an inning and a third per start, he could he could be he could go the rest of the year, and uh, they wouldn't have to pick that up. So there is that. Um, but other than that, there is not one positive I have about this guy. He's trash. Um, some of the peripherals actually showed that he was pitching way above his head. Um, you know, some of the the advanced metrics, uh, ZRA didn't line up with the FIP or any of that. There was there was a huge gap there. So. I don't know. I guess uh, maybe part of that could be expected, uh, but he he's not even eating any innings or doing anything. He's actually more of a detriment, and I don't think he'll make it past. Uh, I don't even know if he'll start again for the Red Sox. I wouldn't be surprised. I know they said they're going to examine the rotation as a whole tomorrow and make some decisions. I wouldn't be surprised if he's designated for assignment. There's no sense in keeping him. The only, the only reason to keep him is 
that they don't have anybody else to throw in there. But even then, you might as well just uh, take the loss from whoever, grab some scrub or whatever that you can just toss in there in the minors and uh, not eat that $10 million next year. He's, he's terrible, and I don't anticipate him being around much longer. I saw a tweet from someone, uh, one of the beat writers, and apparently Alex Cora told Chris Owings, who we just kind of pulled off the scrap heap, he had uh, a pretty good year with the Diamondbacks in 2017, but he told Owings, he goes, you know, playing with us, you got a chance to win a World Series this year, and then his tone after the game was, you know, we're never going to get there if we play like this. So, and then with Kashner, you know, you need him to to be a little more solid, and he's really been everything but that. And I thought I thought he was going to be a lot more serviceable than he was when we were doing the um, the trade deadline preview show. I think Liz was on for that show. We all agreed that, you know, Zach Wheeler was our top choice. But uh, I had Kashner as my number two, and I felt pretty good about that. And um, just (laughs) absolutely terrible. And one of the things that kind of comes to mind when, when you see a guy, and I get the advanced stats thing, you know, certain stats kind of pointed to his ERA being a bit of an anomaly. But I also can't help but think, is the Red Sox pitching program from the analytics guys behind the scenes all the way up to Dana Levangi, are we just so far behind the curve? Because we suck on every level. (laughs) All the way from Chris Sale down to Matt Barnes and, and... our worst relievers, you know, Marcus Walden. I just think that that needs to get looked at in the off season because clearly there's at least six or eight other teams that have that figured out and the Red Sox don't. And seeing, you know, Kashner go from pretty decent to absolutely terrible is, you know, kind of a red flag. Well, he was, in fairness, though, Kashner was pretty much terrible before. He just, I mean, prior to this year, yes, he was pitching a little bit better this year. I'll give him that. But prior to that, I mean, he was one of the worst starters in baseball. I'm not sure how much I was buying this. Uh, There wasn't much track record to suggest that that was sustainable. But I, I don't know. I mean, they have Brian Bannister, who's always been touted as a guy who really kind of understands the analytics and the mechanics and stuff like that. Uh, you know, they tweaked Evaldi last year, and, and he was a stud after he came over. But this year, you're right. There, there's something systematically wrong with their entire staff. I mean, front to back, they're, they're terrible, uh, whether it's the bullpen that's now blown uh, they have 20, they have, let's see, 22 saves, or I'm sorry, 23 saves and 22 blown saves. So they're only converting saves half of the time. I mean, the rotation, again, the, the rotation now has less quality starts than the Marlins team. Uh, let that set in. I mean, the highest paid rotation in all of baseball, and it's not even close, and they have less quality starts, fewer quality starts than the, than the Miami Marlins 
there's something wrong. Something has to go, whether it's Lavangi or whoever. Their pitching staff is just terrible, and they're not. It's not getting any better. Um, maybe they tweaked Sal. He did look better, but some of that may have just been luck. Um, I, I really don't know. It's awful. Yeah, I mean, Kashner was credited with having a better changeup, but I mean, that could have been, you know, I don't know. That that seemed to be the difference. And, you know, going through his stats, really his only decent year was 2017 with the Rangers, 340 ERA. So he is a career bottom-of-the-rotation guy, you know, if that. And just one other thing, with his innings, it's perfectly justifiable for him to go to the bullpen at this point anyway. Like, that's not, that's not a ploy. I mean, we saw... You know, the athletics kind of screw around with Coco Crisp a few years ago so that his option wouldn't uh, trigger. And I thought that was a little shady on their part. And Crisp just was a good soldier and didn't really complain about it. But um, you, you do kind of see a little bit of manipulation. But in this case, Kashner is completely dead to rights here, you know, as far as how the team utilizes him, you know, for the remaining six weeks. Jeremy, you have any thoughts? Oh yeah. Okay. He he's not dead to rights. He's sucked. He hasn't earned the privilege of holding the I just saved myself a dollar. The baseball because he sucks. So look, you don't deserve to get sixty eight innings or whatever it is that vests your option. And there's gonna be a market for him anyways on a small market team. I, I see like you know Plenty, plenty of teams, you know, not named the Nationals, the Astros, the Red Sox, you know, not those teams, not the Yankees, but there's going to be a market for Cashner. He's going to make money. I'm not worried about him. Um, I, I do wonder why, he, if he's now pigeon, and, and my second part of that is, is that because now with his performance, he's pigeonholed himself as a guy who's going to perform in the, in the, on the AAA team or the, the 4A team? where there's just no pressure versus he gets into a, a big market and he just, he, he puddles um, because that's what's happened. I mean, he was really good with the Orioles and now he's really bad. Um, the, this is what I said when we did that free agent podcast, Terry. Um, I, I don't like this guy's stuff. It's just plain to me. Um, and I don't, you know, have some great eye for, for, you know, some, you know, I, I wish I, we could maybe hear from a guy like um, Christopher Smith or, or maybe an ex-player who would have a little bit more insight on it. But um, to me, in my layperson opinion, he, he doesn't have electric stuff, electric movement. He doesn't have a pitch that I, I, I would say, it, you know, he like, for example, um, Workman with his curveball. Um, there isn't that plus plus pitch that he can rely on. And when he stinks, he stinks big time as a result, because he doesn't have that one thing he can rely on. Look, he stunk. Um, I, I still don't hate the trade because to me it was like a, it was a zero sum move where they gave up nothing to get him, and they just needed a body to put in that spot. So I don't hate the move. It's just, he is what he is, which is a very average pitcher. Who's probably going to pitch in the majors for another five or six years. Uh, he's going to get a multi-year contract, and he's going to be around, but he's not going to be here. 
Um, now with him, I don't see him pitching enough to get to the to the um, to the vesting option. And and Charlie Midnight, who's a, a follower of the podcast and engages us, we all know him well. Uh, engages us on Twitter. Um, tweeted something about the fact that you know he's not going to pitch or they're DFA him or who's going to I don't remember the exact tweet but here's my point every expiring contract is going to be not playing baseball for the Red Sox in in probably two weeks like the Porcellos the Pierces who got 60 day deal today so he's done Uh, Moreland Kashner um these guys are not going to be playing. They're going to go young. They're going to give guys a chance um, on the 40-man roster. And so we're just going to, whether they DFA him, fake DL him, or whatever may be the case, um, I tr- do truly expect that September is going to be a young talent um, month for the Red Sox, whether it is for future performance within this club or in an attempt to showcase what assets we have to try to better the club for 2020. And uh, I put Kashner in that same category, as I said, with uh, Porcello and some other people. Well, I just don't so know it, yeah. who we're going to get to pitch at this point. I mean, we don't really have much of that in the system. I mean, if they want to call up Tanner Houck, you know, maybe, okay, he could be an option. But I think well, I just think they're still going to need bodies is what I'm getting I, at. I, Terry, that's a really good point. Um, which was going to be my next one, but you jumped in there and jumped on top of me and took it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I jump on top but, of dudes all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, there's an image I didn't need. Um, <laughs> guys like Brian Johnson, I think, potentially get some of those starts. Um, you know, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but I think, you know, you could think of maybe one or two others. Um, in an attempt to, even if you could shop them, um, to, to, to sweeten a pot, let's say for, you know, in a deal with Mookie or whoever could be the case as a throw in to, to maybe get one more player, uh, out of a deal. So look, you're right. Um, but I do think there's some options there. Um, you know, and again, you got guys on the 40 man that are in the minors that probably aren't going to contribute, but. Uh, why not bring him up and give him a start in the third week of September over a guy like Porcello who's just not going to be here and we're out of it? I say give the guy a chance to see what he happens, see if he comes up and craps his pants. See if he comes up and he meets meets the challenge and all of a sudden you're you're looking at someone differently than just because they came up and and you know and and had a good start. I mean, I, I, what do you have to lose basically? I think what you're going to see is because there aren't any options to to Terry's point. There are very few. I mean, Johnson's already in the rotation with with Price out. Um, you know, Stephen Wright's hurt. They've already uh, they've got Hernandez now as a bullpen guy. They've moved Hauk uh, to a bullpen guy. I think what you're going to see is come September when they expand the rosters, you're just going to have a whole bunch of these bullpen games uh, where guys you have an opener and they just they roll with the bullpen because they have the expanded roster their entire expanded roster may be a bullpen at that point i don't even know who's going to be pitching in the minors i mean there's just no options they have no depth again this is a dombrowski thing with the depth they, they just he, he under uh, undervalues it and they're they're in a tough spot there's just I don't see this going well at all. I think this is going to be a very ugly last month and a half of baseball. 
Yeah, and I mean, we, we're still kind of waiting for them to officially wave the white flag. I don't know if that comes tomorrow. Uh, it is the Indians that we play, correct? And uh, they could really bury us. Um, uh, my, my zero for the series uh, will be Matt Barnes. Uh, today was actually his third straight start of giving up an earned run. He hadn't pitched previously since the uh, Royal Series on August 5th where he gave up uh, three runs, two earned. And then uh, two days prior to that, two more earned runs against the Yankees. So he's riding his typical roller coaster at this point and... I just think that's kind of an underlying dilemma of the bullpen this year. I mean, he needs guys around him that can pitch in high leverage. And Workman's been pitching very well. But um, I just feel like it's it's going to be impossible for Barnes to, to succeed. And, you know, on, on a team like the Red Sox in 2019 in its current state. So this guy, I mean, his ERA is 4.7. That is just really not good. Um, the other end of the scale in this bullpen is Workman, who um, pitched well today. One and a third, one hit, zero runs, uh, two strikeouts. So he's the other end of the spectrum. But guys like Walden, uh, who also pitched well today in an inning with just a walk, his ERA is 3.3. Taylor, who pitched two and a third today, five strikeouts, 3.34. You know, we're talking a run and a half better. Um, Kashner, as bad as he's been, he's a 4.83. Barnes is a 4.7. He has sucked. And this, it, look, this guy was relied on heavily walking into the season. Which brings me to my to, to my next point, and I've talked a lot about Sale being one of the biggest reasons why this team is where they are. I put two other guys in that category. Well, two, and then I also put one more in there um, as kind of an aside, although he's not having a terrible season. I'll explain that in a second. But the, so Sale, obviously, like if Sale was instead of you know eight and thirteen or whatever he is, if he was some you know. Just flip the just flip the record. You're you're right there for a wild card. So sales number one. Number two is Barnes to me, where his performance has cost you so many games. Number three is Brazier because I truly thought he was your best option as a as a as a closer coming into the season. And if he wasn't, that he would at least be like a, a last nine out type of guy. So that I mean, these three guys, I. I truly believe in this i'm not just saying this i truly think they have submarine your season uh red sox fans now the fourth guy in me in my mind has been mookie i think he's underachieved greatly um which is also kind of weird because he's betting on himself um and he's trying to you know break the bank and all the things we've talked about but he hasn't been terrible but he's not even close to an mvp candidate he's just not what we've seen in the last three years um so, you know, but but he's a distant fourth after uh, Sale, uh, Barnes, uh, Terry Zero for tonight, and Brazier. Matt? Yeah, I mean, it's just a disappointment. And, and 
you know, I wonder how much of it comes down to him, you know, anticipating being in a specific role or needing to be in a specific role that isn't, you know, the closer role. I don't think he's built for that. I mean, last year he was fantastic. Same thing with Brazier. You see a lot of these guys. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's something where some guys just have that mentality where they have to know their def- have a defined role and 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 that's how they come in and, and handle business. This year, I feel like it's it's been all over the place, and these guys haven't haven't had it. Although earlier in the season, they they were a lot better. Some of that falls on the rotation, just. You know, they had to rely on these guys over and over. I mean, the bullpen was fantastic in the beginning part of the year, but they just burned them all out, all out real quick. So, and it's gotten progressively worse to the point where Barnes has got probably your highest ERA on the team um, outside of Porcello, and Brazier's in the in the minors. They, they've just, you know, you've got a bunch of guys who are just worn out on on the injured list. It's been a, a constant shuttle back and forth between AAA and, and the bigs for most of these guys. It's just, it's tough to watch. I mean, again, it, the bullpen actually wasn't terrible in the series. This one kind of falls squarely on the shoulders of uh, the rotation. I mean, uh, Darwin's and Hernandez probably had the worst series of anybody and and that's really his first hiccup uh since coming on although i kind of wonder if they've been overusing him a little bit because all of a sudden he's giving up earned runs he hadn't in quite some time and now he's given up back-to-back games he's given up he gave up one earned run i think two games ago and he gave up four uh in this last outing and and had some control issues so it's not good. I mean, there again, we we keep beating this dead horse over and o- over again. But their entire pitching staff is just a train wreck. It's it's marred by inconsistency. Uh, they're consistently inconsistent. They're they're just all over the place. I mean, one guy will will go for a while and and have a nice streak and and really be a lockdown reliever and then all of a sudden they just keep going back to that well too many times and then they just get pummeled for the next five times they go out there so i don't know i think it's mismanagement i think there's there's got to be a number of underlying reasons here i just don't understand how your entire pitching staff can go from being fairly solid to just absolute dumpster fire in in one season um everybody's underperforming it's it's just not good and that's the point that I, I was trying to make. You know, the better the team we have around Barnes, the better it is, uh, you know, for him to succeed. He's not going to perform. He's going to be overused. And with the weight of the world on his shoulders, he's never going to be successful. So, you know, I mean, he's just a victim of basically the, the bad you know, payroll situation that, that we've been dealing with all year long. And Matt, I know you use it as a throwaway line, but I just want to use it to, to I'm, and I'm not, like, I'm obviously not intending to pick on you, not that you can't handle it, but you said everyone has um, underperformed. That's the crazy thing. That's not, it's just not accurate. Devers is an MVP candidate, so is X. You have the best left side of the infield in all of baseball. I mean, defy to, I mean, with, Devers' uptick in defense. 
No, I was talking just the pitching staff. Oh, uh, okay. Pitching staff, pretty All much right. everybody not named Brandon Workman has underperformed this year. Oh, um, okay. So I miss I miss I misheard. My bad. You can really pin and say, oh, he's having a career year outside of Workman, who's been fantastic. But I, I feel at this point, at some point, somebody in there is going to get the bright idea to just pitch him every inning of every game because he's been okay. <laughs> I mean, well, look, literally the only guy worth a damn in there. It, it, so, all right. So, my bad. I miss. I misheard part of that, but it doesn't change my point, which is that you're wasting MVP candidate type years from Devers, Xander. Um, it's 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 got to be frustrating. I, I and look, it's, it's, those are the two types of guys that would never, in a million years, to me. Um, have it be a thing. But if I'm those guys and I'm having that type of year and you're on a, a payroll team with $200 million, I'd be frustrated. I'd be frustrated that I'm not being talked about, especially Devers, who hasn't signed the big deal yet. Like, I'd be frustrated. If, if this team was on pace for 95 wins and those guys were having the year they're having, they're talking about MVPs. And look, Devers is going to get paid, and, and obviously Xander already has, but it still has to be frustrating. They're they're raking, they're doing literally they they are dragging this team by their bootstraps to to basically what what's probably going to be an eighty five win season. So, you know, it's frustrating to see seasons like this wasted. And then it's not you know the height of Manny and Ortiz, which obviously was steroid infused, but. Um, as far as non-steroid error, I mean, they're having as good as a, of a one-two punch that we've seen um, in the last 20 years, and it's totally wasted, totally. Well, I, I mean, the Red Sox have the top three players in runs scored right now. You know, Mookie, I, I forget what order. Yeah, I think it's Mookie, uh, J, uh, uh, Devers, and Xander Bogarts, top three guys, <laughs> and they're going to be sitting on the couch this October. Well, to Jeremy's point, though, I, I do wonder if it is taking a toll on him because you look at the last two weeks when the slide has really happened, and Devers is hitting 241, Xander's hitting 246, and, and some of those numbers are, are the averages that are inflated by a couple of games where these guys went, you know, either three for four or four for four. A lot of offers if you go down the game logs for these guys. You wonder if it's not starting to kind of hit them because they did. They carried them. They were they were a two man show. I mean, we we saw it a little bit last year with what uh, J D Martinez and, and Mookie Betts did, um, and and you could throw in to a to a certain extent even Benintendi. I mean, kind of is the third guy that was really carrying him. And Xander Bogarts had a pretty good year too last year. Not to take anything away from him. But, I mean, really, Mookie and, and J.D. were the, the two major catalysts that carried the team. And this year, it's been those two. But they've gotten no help around them. Um, I, yes, you know, Betts, Betts has had a solid season. And, and J.D. Martinez has had a solid season. And same with, with Vasquez. So now I'm, I'm con- contradicting myself. You've had some solid guys, but it's been inconsistent. Um, the only two guys that have been consistently good have, have really been Xander and, and Devers and um, you know, the offenses struggled a little bit of late, and, and a lot of that can be attributed to those two guys have fallen off a little bit over the last couple of weeks, uh, last probably 15, 16 games, and it shows the offense doesn't seem as potent when those guys are just not performing. And, I mean, I think every team kind of waves the white flag, whether, 
you know, whether there's a change in rhetoric or not. And I kind of illustrated in the last show, these could be the last several games of Mookie Betts' tenure in Boston, and we'll get to that in a little bit. And uh, J.D. Martinez as well, depends on what his read and what Scott Boris's read is on the free agent market. You know, if they think they can get more money, maybe, maybe they opt out. And those are two key guys, you know, with a lot on their mind right now. And Bogarts is here for the long haul. Uh, Devers, at least the next four or five years. So uh, not a lot going on there, but, you know, kind of like you said, Matt, maybe the weight of, uh, you know, everybody else's underperformance is getting kind of heavy on them and, and they can't, you know, they can't carry the team forever. So, um, it's, there's just a multitude of things going on right now. And, and, you know, the front office could be in a similar thing. I mean, we don't know what's going on behind those walls. What's Dombrowski like with the rest of the, you know, the assistants and the consultants and the analytics guys that they do have. And cause for all we know that, that part of the team could be a mess as well. And, and it's just, it's ugly. It's ugly. And I didn't pick the Red Sox to win the division. I had them as a wild card, and that was a bit of a cop-out. You know, it, it, it would have been extremely difficult for me to come on here and tell everyone that I don't think the World Series champions are going to even make the playoffs next year. You know, so, you know, I, I, I put them in the wild card spot, but I harped all winter long people can go back and listen to those episodes that this bullpen was not good enough and, and it wouldn't be good enough and I thought Chris Sale might have some some injury concerns and that hasn't really been a factor but the underperformance has kind of you know hurt the Red Sox equally and um you know and I thought Price would be better. I didn't anticipate him having an off year, but um, I just I did not see this as a playoff team, and and quite frankly, I thought it could be worse. I mean, I was giving scenarios to where I thought we could potentially be out of it by June or July, and and that was never the case. I mean, we were, you know, by the All Star break, we were right around ten games above. 500 so that's still perfectly you know viable you know to to go after a wild card provided you could go on a little bit of a run but I certainly did think the floor was less than that and and (laughs) I I think you know it it took until mid-August to get there but I think the white flag is going to get waved this week and, and some of those moves that Jeremy pointed out, and, and you as well, Matt, you know, some guys are going to get DFA'd. I, I think Mitch Moreland is, is a good target for that because, I mean, we have more close to major league ready prospects, you know, for, you know, offensively that are ready. I mean, Dahlbeck could come up and um, Owings is up. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But for the record, Dahlbach uh, just came up to AAA uh, and he's been up two games and I believe he's homered in both both games. So 
Uh, I think they're going to give him a short stint, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do bring him in and, and see what he can do at first base. I think you're dead on on that. Absolutely. And, I mean, we viewed him as, uh, you know, somewhat expendable, you know, towards the uh, trade deadline. You know, if we were going to go for a controllable reliever like a Yates-type guy or I think many of us thought if a Diaz trade did happen, I did not want that trade to happen, but if one did happen, then Dahlbeck would certainly be in it. So it'll be interesting to see if he does have a good September, you know, with the club. What's the ulterior? Is it just getting some looks for next year to see where he can slot in or, you know, maybe they're showcasing him as part of a trade package for maybe a starter. I I have no idea, but, you know, so it'll just be interesting to see what they do with his success. Uh, You want me to move on to my hero? Yeah, may as well. I think this segment should be a lot briefer. Um (laughs) Glad I made the executive decision, by the way, to switch it from zeros to heroes. Uh, credit to me there. Um, <laughs> look, I'm not going to belabor the point, but JD's been awesome. He was awesome in the series, 8 of 17. Uh, the big game, obviously, uh, was game two. He was 4 of 5 with four runs, four RBIs. Um, had a hit in every game. He's your best offensive player. He's Well, no, I can't. I don't know if I can say that anymore, but he's really consistent. And... Um, you know, he's a professional guy, professional hitter, obviously, um, and he deserves a little bit of credit here. Um, he's not having the same caliber season. I don't think he's underachieved to the level of Mookie, um, and I don't think he's reached the heights of Devers and Xander as far as production above capability. Um, but he's been good, and he had a real good series, so he's my hero. I like JD a lot. I value him more than Mookie, and, and I think Jeremy, you've agreed with that in the past. I mean, from a value 100, standpoint, hundred and ten percent. Yeah, and so the the interesting thing with JD going forward is if he's lackluster, which he has not been lately, then that you know makes the chances of retaining him a little more favorable. If he goes out of his mind like he did with the Diamondbacks a couple years ago and just starts raking, then, well, you know, our chances of retaining him I might still be ultimately favorable, but they'll be less favorable, you know, with a, you know, if he goes on a, you know, torrid pace, so. I was going to say the same thing, uh, uh, to this point, I mean, the home runs have been there. The RBIs have been down. The average is eh, about on par, maybe a little bit under. Um, it just doesn't seem, I don't know, he's quietly had a pretty good year. It doesn't seem like it was anything. Last year he was out of his mind. But it makes you wonder if that will somehow um, factor into whether he opts out or not. Uh, he's really kind of bounced back in the last uh, month or so. It seems like he's gotten a lot hotter. Um, I mean, the last month he's hitting 325 with nine of his 27 home runs and 23 of his 71 RBIs. So he's, you know, uh, he's been doing a lot more damage of late. 
Uh, it seems like he's he's kind of caught on, but it's still a little bit of a down year. Uh, you can't really knock it, um, given that he's still hitting over 300 and, and doing what he's doing. But uh, to your point, I, I think he hit it dead on. And if he if he slumps a little bit, if it if it gets to be uh, like some of these other guys, where it seems like the, the season is going down the tank, and maybe they're just not trying quite as hard or it's just the sense of urgency isn't there, whatever. Maybe maybe falters a little bit down the down the stretch. That might actually benefit the Red Sox uh, going into next year because he may not opt out and he may not require more money. So it'll definitely be interesting, something worth keeping an eye on because it, ha- it definitely has major ramifications for next year. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I don't know if I could see more than a couple of teams, if even that, getting into a bidding war over him, and he is limited to just the American League. I don't think the Yankees are going to get involved because you know, they've got payroll issues, and um, I don't think the Astros are going to dump a ton of money you know, for a position player this winter. So it's just going to be a limited market and, you know, maybe a twins team comes over the top, you know, that they could be a potential sleeper. But I think even if he opts out, the Red Sox are still in the driver's seat if they choose to uh, pursue him. Any thoughts, Jeremy, before we move on? I think his reoccurring back issues help potentially keep him in a Red Sox uniform. I also think the fact that the structure of his contract um, is still sound. It's still good value. He just has a little bit of leverage with the opt-out. So I think it's not unreasonable, especially when you trade Mookie, because that's going to happen, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Once Mookie's off the books, um, you can throw another $5 million at JD to, to get him to buy out of his opt-out. And if that happens, I'm okay with it, because I think he's... Um, sorry about my microphone there. Um, I, I, I just think he's really good fit for this city and this team. Um, especially once Mookie's not here, cause he'll be even more valuable at that point. I think they just, he, he'll have three years left at roughly 20 million a year. I think they just go four years, hundred million, you know, 25 mil a year. That would be a raise of roughly 5 million per year. And I don't think that hurts us. Don't disagree. Yeah, and Kershaw did the same thing. I mean, he opted out with like three years left, and then, or maybe it was two years left, and they just basically gave him an extra year, you know, at big money, and, you know, and that was all it took. So, uh, go ahead, uh, uh, Matt, who, who is your, um, hero for the series well you know as as jeremy alluded to earlier um i was ready to shine up the duck boats and ready to i thought the world (laughs) series was back on after uh chris sale threw eight innings you know gave up two hits struck out 13 with no walks got the win basically in those eight innings i think he i think his pitch total was like 98 99 he probably could have gone out for another inning um he looked great. It looked like vintage Chris Sale. Uh, maybe, I know we talked about last podcast, Alex Cora had said that they found something in his mechanics to adjust the slider to get a little bit better control. 
definitely looked like he had it. Uh, I mean, he was dealing, and uh, you know, he suppre- he now has 206 uh, strikeouts on the season uh, and only 35 walks. Um, yes, the record is not great; it's only six and 11 now. But to strike out 206 batters in 140 innings and only have a 1.09 WHIP, um, pretty solid. I mean, he leads the majors in, in K per nine at uh, 13.2. Uh, I mean, he's striking out over 35 percent of the batters he's faced, and and I mean, he's just. I'm still confident, you know, regardless of how this goes down, minus an injury or something like that, and. I think I'd definitely be limiting his in, in, uh, any of his innings going forward and, and really saving bullets for next year and, and the rest of this contract as much as possible. But I think a lot of it has just been some bad luck and just getting hit harder. Some of the control issues there uh, that we've we've talked about ad nauseum and uh, in, in previous uh, pre- previous episodes here. I think it'll be great going forward um, in this contract. I'm, I'm not scared off by it. I do think that he'll he'll revert back to it. I mean, he's still showing it, so he's my hero. Um, and and I anticipate more of this to come in future games. Jeremy, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I have much to add here over what I've said, you know, in the past. So, um, Terry. Well, I mean, it's nice to see Chris sale pitch that well, but I mean, he had a good start last month. I think it was against the blue Jays where absolutely lights out and it was credited to his fastball, you know, being different and not, you know, hanging over the plate. And so I, I just, I want to see Chris Sale do this for a few more starts before, you know, before I start drinking the punch again. We are in like his career danger zone now in August where he typically struggles. And he's going to get a start against an Indians team that has absolutely mangled him for the most part over the last uh, few seasons anyway. And he he pitched in that division. I'm not sure how many of them are still there. Ramirez, Lindor, you know, are a couple. But um, we'll see. It's just hard for me to get too excited right now. And I'm still highly skeptical on the contract. I mean, this is the worst season of his career. And, uh, you know, so... (laughs) I'm just, I I don't want to get too crazy yet. But when he is on like he was on Thursday night, it's it's awesome to watch. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll just say this, right? One, uh, this season's over, so I'm not so concerned about this season. So... It's the idea of having him healthy and pitching well in August and September so that he puts me at ease moving forward under the contract that Terry loves so much. Now, with that said, you know, he's probably going to make one, maybe two more starts, and then I shut his ass down. Um, I'd force Price to pitch, 
because. Um, but Sale to me is a guy to the extent he does pitch. Um, and I don't know that they're going to shut him down, but you know you're you're looking at 85 pitches to start. You know maybe five innings if he's really sharp like he was uh, this this series. You know shut him down after six. I don't need to see anything other than that now. You know, his next start, um, it, it still matters technically, although I think we all know it's over. Um, but it's it's there's still a chance, and for that reason, he's going to go out there, and, and I'm interested to see how he rebounds after the start he had in this series. But um, he's sucked. I've already said it. I've already said it on this podcast 20 minutes ago. Um, he is the number one reason why you have failed as a, as, a, as an organization this season, and um, it's too little too late in my opinion. Um, but it is encouraging because he hasn't pitched like that in a late August, September start in three years. So I guess if you want to flip it into a positive, uh, spin zone here, uh, he actually had a productive August, September start. Um, doesn't mean anything. It's too late. And Porcello came out in game three and just threw it all away by not being productive at all. But, you know, I guess that's all I I'd kind of contribute here. My hero for the series, I've kind of been wanting to uh, shout him out for a while, you know, but I wasn't going to do it just for the sake of it. Uh, I think Sam Travis has really kind of been a nice surprise to some people. I've been a huge proponent of him for quite a while. I think in 2016 or so, he he was on track to, you know, come up either that season or or the next season, but he blew out his ACL, took him out for a full year, and, uh, you know, he slowly worked his way back up. And, you know, in the second half of the 2017 season, he started to get called up, and he was kind of like just – constantly being shuttled back and forth between Boston and Pawtucket. And he's a guy that really needs to have a bat in his hand every day, you know, playing one out of every four games. I just, it just wasn't going to work for him and it didn't work. And since mid July, he's hit five home runs. He's driven in 14, hitting 261 and has a OPS of uh, 916 in that time frame. So I just, I don't know what the ceiling is. I don't know what their plans for him will be going forward next year because we mentioned Dahlbeck and Chavis and obviously Devers isn't moving off of, um, you know, he's not moving off of third. Although Travis has seen some time in the outfield, so... Maybe if Bradley gets peddled, that's one possibility. But um, nice to see, nonetheless. And I, he's hit at every level of the minors for power. So I'm, I get excited every time he's in the lineup. He seems like a guy that every year on uh, spring training, he was the guy that was tearing the cover off the ball, hitting hitting for a ton of power, hitting for average. It seemed like every time you look on the leaderboard, Sam Travis was top, and then the regular season would start, and either injuries would play game or you know just lack of playing time due to being blocked at, at whatever position, typically first base. 
Uh, there was a time where they were talking about Travis Shaw and and Sam Travis being the future, the corners there. Um, you know, obviously Shaw got shipped out, uh, but Sam Travis, I, I could see him kind of maybe platooning with Dahlbeck, um, or or to your point, being the guy that kind of floats back and forth between first and and outfield. Um, hopefully he does stick around. He was a a highly touted prospect before he blew out his ACL, as you mentioned. Um, I'd like to see him do it. I mean, the guy's put in the time. Um, it'd be great to see him playing a little bit more. And obviously, you know, he he had eight at bats and uh, versus Moreland's five in this series. So he did outplay him at first as far as you know at bats. Um, you know, with Pierce going on the sixty day DDL, um, the chances of Pierce coming back this this year are about zero. So. Well, I think he's going to be up. He's going to be able to showcase. I don't think Pierce is going to be back, but the the sixty day thing is retroactive to whenever he went on the. Right. So, so he's already exceeded that. They could they could call him it's up more on. Of a formality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He could be called up on Thursday, but I yep. mean, he's done. He a setback. Oh, he did do. He had like a setback or something with his knee. So uh, there's a lot of talk that he's he's not gonna he's not coming back this year. He just he suffered another setback in his rehab. Right. He's in Florida, I believe, so he's not even with the team presently. Yeah. All right. So, uh, actually, Jeremy, did you want to weigh in or do you want to move on? I root for the guy. Um, To me, he says the right things. He seems to be hardworking. I don't hear anything negative about him. He's got the no batting gloves, old school approach. He does have some raw power. Um, in my opinion, he's just not good enough to help this this club on an everyday basis. Um, also, I don't think there's a spot for him. Um, even with Betts likely gone, um, he's. I, I just don't see him as an everyday Red Sox, and I don't know that he has the flexibility to be a corner outfielder slash infielder utility guy. I just don't see that as one, something that's really been carved out in major league baseball as a role. And, uh, now with that said, like, I, you know, I do root for the guy. I do like him. I do see him as a salt of the earth guy, you know, something closer to an everyday type of just dude, but I just don't see it. Um, you know, and I, and I think he'll eventually be, he'll have a five or six year career playing for some other franchise which will be great for him, and he'll make some money, and that'll be that. Yeah, I mean, I think the rest of the season, though, will will determine, you know, what his fate is. But, but I mean, you he's been fine. I mean, he's been adequate in left field. So I, I just – the defensive versatility is there, you know. So I, I don't know. I just – we didn't think he would ascend this far. And, you know, and the reason why I, I was kind of on that boat was the Red Sox just simply wouldn't commit to him. And now they kind of have probably more out of necessity than anything, you know, because we had a lot of injuries. But but I don't know. I just I think he could kind of force force his way into a scenario. And but he's got to he's got to keep doing it, you know, for the next six weeks. 
He's going to get opportunity, like you said. So it'll be fun to I, look. I'm, t- I'm not. We've talked a lot of times, uh, you know, about liking a player, not liking a player, rooting for a player, whatever's best for the Boston Red Sox. And I'd like to. And I like this guy. I, again, to me, he's salt of the earth. So I'd like to see him be successful. Um, and he and, and I do think he's going to get a ton of at bats because I just don't see a point in the Moreland Pierce situation with the way that their contracts are expiring and. Of all the likely, of all the possibilities for next year, Sam Travis being the first baseman or a platoon at first is more likely than Pierce being there or probably even Moreland. So, I mean, let's see what happens. And look, if the guy goes out and has a 950 OPS against left-handed pitching, he's probably going to be on the roster next season. So we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, getting into Mookie, I mean, we kind of – like to talk about you know what his future might be and kind of read the you know the tea leaves or whatever um a couple of uh you know articles interviews have come out over the past week or so and uh, it kind of started with John Morosi who uh, works for the MLB network and is usually on there daily talking to Lauren Shahadi and uh, here's a quote from him. He says, quote, I was told by sources today that there is a belief in the industry. Now, this is not coming from the Red Sox, he says, but they believe the sources at this point in time that the Red Sox will at least listen to trade offers for Mookie Betts this winter. He goes on to say he's not you know, saying that there will definitely be a deal, but those are what his sources have said that Mookie is strongly believed uh, to be available. And then you can go with a more local writer, uh, Pete Abraham, who, uh, as my tablet screws up, Pete paints a a different picture. And, uh, you know, right in the title of the article, he says, you know, will... The Red Sox go the trout route uh, with Mookie Betts. And uh, I'm struggling to find the quote. Basically, Pete says he he does expect the Red Sox to make one last final charge to sign him. and uh, But to me, that's, that's a huge stretch at this point. And... I think you guys will, or at least Jeremy, I I think you're kind of on board with that. But here's the question. Before you pick a side here, what executive is going to make that decision? Because Dombrowski might not be here. (laughs) Like, there's a ton of complications in this. And with Morosi saying his sources believe that they will try to trade him, is ownership for the Red Sox feeding those sources, or is it Dombrowski himself? So th- there's a lot to decipher here, but... Well, <laughs> to me, I don't I don't know who's telling people that, but I think the message is clear. If you want to be in this organization, you better play ball. We'll pay you, but it's not going to be Trout. You know, well, they'll probably even go Harper. 
but we're not going to do 400 million. We're not going to do it. That's what they're trying to say. So if you want to go play for the Royals, then go do that. But you know, we're we're going to trade you if you're not going to play ball. I, you know, and and by the way, that's what they should do. It's a smart play. Uh, I completely agree with it. I still think he's gone because he's made. We've talked about this, Terrence. They offered him 10 years, $300 million. He didn't return their phone call. Dombrowski literally called like a February 2nd press conference to be like the media showed up and they're like, uh, hi, you're here because I want to tell you that we're, we offered Mookie a giant contract and he's not returning our phone calls. That was it. Like, he's not going to sign here, guys. Not at money that's realistic. And you can't handicap yourself because then you're just going to be the Angels, which is you're going to be a nice preseason pick, but you're never going to have the money and the resources to fill out the balance of the roster because the balance of the roster is what wins you championships, not the number one guy. So, I mean, look, I've, I've gone on and on about this. I don't want to say more, say the same stuff over and over again. But Mookie, I don't blame you because I, I can't say that I would handle it differently. I do think I would handle it differently, by the way, but I'm not saying in the moment, you know, me being in that situation, if someone's like, my agent's like, yeah, you could take $300 million from the Red Sox, but I'm hearing through back channels, wink, wink, nod, nod, that the Mets will give you $400. Uh, I think I'd take the extra $100 million. I'm a human being. So uh, if that's what's happening with Mookie, I don't blame him. I just don't want him to be a Red Sox at that, at that valuation. I just don't. And this season, by the way, has exactly been what happens when you don't fill out the balance of your, of your lineup, both – the, 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 the bottom third of the lineup and your, your bullpen and the back end of your rotation. This is what happens. You, you have all the front-end talent in the world. You have the sale, the price, the Xander, the Devers, the, the JD, the Mookie, the Benny. And then you have Leon as your backup catcher, and you have Workman as your closer. This is what happens. So this season is the warning. Don't do it, Boston. Do not do it. Matt, I kind of wonder, too, if they're not floating it out there to kind of gauge what the response will be from Red Sox fans. I'll be honest with you. Um, I think somebody from the front office is feeding it. Um, I think they want to be able to say yeah, or see what the the blowback is, see if people are because, I mean, obviously, you know, people are going to take to social media. They're going to they're going to just talk in general you're going to have the sports writers giving their their opinions so i think the red sox ownership or management group is kind of putting their feelers out on that but it, you know they're also kind of opening it up to see if anybody wants to have some discussions um you know and, and see what people are willing to pony up i, I think if, if they get some some feedback on what people might be willing to offer. Obviously, that's beneficial too because now they know what the going rate is for Mookie Betts on the trade market. Um, you know, here's my question: Mookie's having a little bit of a down year. He's not. He's not anywhere near MVP uh, consideration. Would the Red Sox be trading at a point where they're not going to get maximum value for him. Uh, it doesn't make sense to trade him in the off season coming off a season that wasn't bad, but I mean, think about his numbers last year versus this year. I mean, last year, if he's putting up those numbers again, 
you may be questioning whether, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe it is worth paying him $30 million a year or whatever. And, and I agree, you know, to Jeremy's point that if you pay somebody a high annual value, um, it's going to cut in if you're trying to stay under the luxury tax. It's going to cut into what you can do as far as building the back end of that that team and 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 adding depth and having a bullpen and having guys come off the bench. There's going to be some guys that are are getting paid pretty hefty here, um, and you have a lot of young guys that are going to they're going to have to pay up for. So they're going to have to make some tough decisions. And and I don't know what that annual value is that that you know. Do they go out and offer him, you know, uh, he turned down an eight-year, $200 million contract before the year. So now do you go out and, you know, offer him an eight-year, you know, $250 million contract, $300 million? I, I don't know. I don't know, you know, what, what anybody's comfortable going annual value on. But I also, it's tough. Um you may not get what you would get uh, if he has another year like this. Maybe you, you know, you wait. But if if he has an injury or whatever, now you're having him walk for for next to nothing. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of variables that are going to come into this. I do see that uh, Morosi suggested uh, the Braves is a potential trade partner. Uh, some of that was because of. Mookie being from Nashville and Atlanta kind of being the Southern market uh, or the Southern team that everybody kind of roots for. And they thought he might have a better chance of signing an extension with them, which I don't think he's signing an extension anywhere. I think he's going into free agency, testing the waters and trying to get as much as he can. But Hey, if, if they could pull that off and, and they get a, a top-flight outfield prospect like Christian uh, Pache and, and a top-pitching uh, prospect like Ian Anderson, the Braves are loaded with talent. Uh, I could see them trying to pull something like that off. So, I don't know. There's a lot of options the Red Sox have to weigh this, this offseason, and um, I guess it doesn't hurt to put your feelers out and, and really see – Hey, are we going to get blowback from the fans? Are they going to be pissed off and, and stop watching? Or, you know, uh, who's interested? What's their level of interest? You know, what's what's going on with this? And just start gauging it now because uh, they're going to have to make some tough decisions in the off season. So I, I think this is where it starts. And as to who's calling those shots, uh, I have a feeling it's not going to be Dombrowski. So you know, even floating this out right now, it's subject to change. I kind of side with John Morosi. Typically, the national writers have all the sources, and he's been highly credible, you know, amongst a lot of them. I would put him above John Heyman, even. You know, I, I think Ken Rosenthal is, you know, is the guy. You know, the, the guy that I trust the most. But um, with with Mookie's off year... That's not going to factor in, I don't think. I, I don't think him having a bit of an underperformance. The thing that's going to affect this trade the most is the fact that there's only one year left on the contract. And that being said, I mean, what do we expect to get? Because nobody's going to give us their number two or number three pitcher if they're if they're going for it, like a team acquiring Mookie Betts 
on a on basically a, a one year window, knowing that he will not negotiate with anybody. That's a team that's all in, so they can't afford to give up their major league ready talent. I mean, this is going to have to be a prospect laden package, and there wasn't any buzz. Like as far as we know, there were no calls at the trade deadline to try to get Mookie Betts, you know, from the Red Sox. And teams would have done that if they wanted him because, I mean, it's the elephant in the room right now that the Red Sox front office is extremely frustrated with his unwillingness to negotiate. So I think other teams might have pounced on that and chose not to. So I just think... I think the interest is going to be a little bit limited. And I even question the fact, did the Red Sox wait one year too long? It would have been hard to trade him last winter from the very outset. But I <laughs> I just think he would have had a lot more value last winter. As, as unrealistic as it seems now. Oh, he definitely would have, but good luck trying to sell that to the Boston fan base. Hey, uh, we just won a, a World Series, and uh, here's your MVP, and now we just traded him away for something. You would have had rioting in the streets. I don't I don't think there's any way that they could have pushed that one through and, and not had major blowback. Yeah, I, I know. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but the reason I bring that up is the market – is extremely finicky. I mean, last season, the Machado-Harper drama getting drawn out until February. Um, some guys taking lower deals like Acuna. Um, Arenado, I think, was acquired at a discount. His average annual value is is high, don't get me wrong, but he, his deal was four years shorter than, than Mike Trout's, so the, the overall value is a lot lower. And and then the the last couple of trade deadlines have been weird. I mean, it's impossible to get a read on this market. And I just, I don't see this winter being any different. And, and there there's eventually going to be a new normal. And I guess the next CBA uh, comes out or will be renegotiated after the 2021 season. So... I, I don't, whatever the new normal ends up being, I don't expect it to kind of fall into place until until the new contract is negotiated. And it's just, I, I don't know. It's extremely complicated is, I guess, the easiest way to put it with Mookie. That's fair. And look, he's beloved. Right, that's a huge factor, and to the common um, fan, uh, that's not going to look too deep into the situation. Um, you know, I think they may make the mistake, respectfully, of overvaluing one player versus balancing a twenty-five well, a twenty-five man roster. But we all know that it's the forty man that that you know is required over one hundred and sixty-two games. So. I just refuse to compromise the forty, the value and the depth of the forty man uh, for one guy. I just don't think it's necessary. 
And you know what? It's a, it's a little bit of a shame that again I don't play I don't blame Mookie, but it's a little bit of a shame that he's not willing to do the Xander deal, which is really really fair market value, but not you know break the bank because that's going to handicap the roster and and us Boston sports fans not us scumbags that like other teams like the Giants. Uh, <laughs> Brady has been doing it for two decades. And how's that worked out for the Patriots? I mean, they're, they're the deepest team uh, for a reason because they're saving almost $10 million a year on, on the number one position in all of sports. Um, and Mookie's, you know, he is, he's not Tom Brady, obviously. He's not a GOAT, but he's a top three player in baseball. And imagine getting a guy like that at a little bit, you know, fair market value, but not break the bank. I mean, that that that's tremendous. That would be a tremendous bonus to your roster. And he's not willing to do that, which is fine. Again, I may not either if it was me, but it, it's a problem. So I just look, move on from the guy, get what you can. Uh, don't rush the, the decision. Shop him. Uh, evaluate every single deal on the table, call every team, uh, keep the bidding open for a month or whatever it takes, and get the whatever's the best deal, take it. And then let's build around whatever comes through through the deal. So I, I, the, what I get the most out of that is the Red Sox need to find uh, Devers like a super hot, wealthy, supermodel wife. And then he'll take the discounts Brady did. And history won't repeat itself with Mookie. If you really think that Tom Brady is the way he is because he married Giselle Bundchen, I don't know that you're paying that much attention to, she's uh, extremely, to Brady and the Patriots. She's extremely wealthy, so I just money. I I I know he is, but that's not. Brady has a sickness, dude. That guy's different, and I know this isn't a football podcast, but Tom Brady has a sickness. Why does that guy still want to play? He's accomplished more than any other athlete outside maybe Jordan. That, I mean, he there's no there's no other thing for him to do, and yet he still plays like he's you know still upset about getting drafted one ninety ninth. That that guy is different. He's he's got a broken brain. Like the fact that he's still motivated is kind of hard to believe. But I can tell you right now, the fact that he ended up marrying Giselle has nothing to do with his crazy drive and desire to continue to compete. Um, and I don't know. Look, Devers to me. Well, I don't know this, but I'm going to say this. I'm hopeful that he's just a lovable moron that just loves baseball and loves playing for Boston. And he'll do what Xander did, which was take a fair market value deal without you know, doing the Boris, get every last dollar out oh, of the deal. I wouldn't even say, hey, I mean, look what Acuna did last year and what he's doing this year. If they can get a deal sort of like that. I mean, for some of these guys where they're still playing on basically rookie deals, is it fair market value? No. Does the player association probably hate the deal that like Acuna or Aloy Jimenez or some of these guys have taken? Yeah, absolutely, because they feel they're leaving money on the table. But some of these big contracts, I mean, this is huge money to these guys compared to what they're making now. And I think I'm I'm out there trying to offer a deal like that and lock him up for a little while and 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 not go through the arbitration every year and all that other stuff. Just lock him up, uh, give him a good deal, 
you know, he'll be beyond rich beyond anything he's ever known. And uh, a lot of these guys are taking it because you know what? He could, you could have a situation where you end up getting a Grady Sizemore or somebody like that who's looks like they're just going to tear the game up for the next 10 years and they have a freak injury and, and shut it down. I mean, there's risk. It's, it's a risk reward. That money's there. It's guaranteed. Um, you know, maybe you, you fight for an opt out or whatever, but if I'm the Red Sox, I'm, I'm trying to offer him something similar to what Acuna got because I mean, the comps aren't too far off. I mean, that guy has been unbelievable too. And, and I'd be pushing for that. I know that's kind of a separate topic, but, and as far as Mookie goes, if they can get fair value or they get a decent amount or you have an MVP caliber guy in there every year and you're not saddling your team with so much salary on one guy and putting all your eggs in one basket with one guy, if he will accept it, which I don't think he's going to, I think that's the biggest thing, but you know, maybe the threat of, hey, guess what, you're going to be a, you know, uh, Miami Marlin, uh, and they're giving us a whole bunch of prospects. Good luck next year playing for a team that's irrelevant for an entire year or whatever. Maybe there's some, you know, there's some driving factor that that, that gets him to decide to extend. I, I think that's highly unlikely, but I think they've got to explore all options, and that's got to be the focal point of everything they do right there. And, you know, um, just see what you can give them. I mean, what are they paying in arbitration right now this year? Is is it close to thirty million? Mookie uh, for bets, uh, twenty. Yeah, is it twenty five? Uh, it's twenty, and it's projected yeah, it's to be around thirty next year. So, okay. Yeah. So, in a perfect world, he does what a Roldis Chapman did, which is go play somewhere for a year, come back. Um, but the problem is the, the best, the Red Sox or the best he could probably offer. And the best, the Red Sox could do is get a verbal from Mookie that he'd be willing to resign with them. That's, I mean, we already know that's not going to be good enough because they're not going to go 400 million. Yeah. But I mean, let's say, let's say, let's say, let's say, let's say they didn't trade him in the off season and we're here again in 11 months. And you could go get, you know, a starting pitching, a starting pitcher, a fourth outfielder, and two prospects, and then get them back the next year if we're not competitive next year. Yeah, you know, that I think would be the ideal situation. It just, it's not even. I don't think that's. I think we have a better chance of aliens landing in Manhattan than that happening. So, um, I thought those. I just were, don't think it's a possibility. I thought those were the Mets. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, he, Mookie, I want to be careful here because everyone loves Mookie, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not sure that I'm a huge Mookie Betts fan. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm I, not. And, I, and, I, and I've said this on one podcast, and I just felt like mm, I didn't want the backlash at the time, so maybe I'll be a little, maybe I'll just say it right now. I don't associate with Mookie Betts like you know not like he doesn't drink I, he's a bowler as am I so I associate with that but he's so super talented his personality to me is a little weird it's not relatable and he and him he on a large scale is not relatable at least in my mind to me and, and the you know my life and the way I live and all that sort of thing so he just I don't 
like for the reasons why I relate to guys like Sam Travis, as I talked about earlier, I just don't relate to Mookie. And and then with the whole way this whole thing has gone down, and the fact that the Red Sox as an organization want to be fair to him, and he does he doesn't even want to have a conversation. I'm gonna say it. I don't like Mookie Betts. Yeah, I I mean. <laughs> He has a like money shouldn't really be much of an object after three hundred million. I mean, if you're raking in that, you're you're still going to rake in other areas. If you you know if you invest it right, if you have endorsements and all kinds of other stuff, uh, it's just it's just mind boggling to me that he doesn't care about his legacy, and I just. I hope it blows up in his face. And when you gave the scenario, Jeremy, that you know maybe he goes someplace else and then comes back, I think the Red Sox are going to spend that money before he even has a chance to come back because maybe Devers does get that extension. Maybe Benny gets more money. Maybe Good. maybe they go crazy this offseason. They sign Garrett Cole. You know, I don't I don't know, but I just I think don't the money's me, Terry. What's that? Don't, don't tease, tease me. <laughs> it's getting late. Don't tease me. Don't need it. Well, and here's another thing. Mookie would probably get $30 million in arbitration. He's broken the record every year so far. He'll, he'll keep doing that. That brings him at 30 next year. Uh, sale would also be at 30 Price is at 31 So you're at $91 million right there. Add in Evaldi's ridiculous $17 million. Those four players alone put you over the halfway point of the luxury tax. And Bogarts is still here on big money. They're going to have to sign a pitcher. Um, it's just, it's not sustainable. His his arbitration next year is going to hurt us. You know, because, and you talk about the $20 million from Porcello coming off the book. Well, guess what? As I mentioned, Chris Sale goes from 15 to $30 million. So they they spent the Porcello money already, basically, and he's still here, you know. So it's just not sustainable, and I don't like Mookie. I don't like him the way that I liked David Ortiz or the way that I liked John Lester or, you know, other – Jonathan Papelbon, one of my favorite Red Sox players of all time. Um I don't like Mookie the way that I like them, and I don't think he embodies the city of Boston like they did. And I I hope he signs his stupid contract, and I, I hope a stupid team gives it to him. You know, it's it, it won't be the Yankees because, like I said in a different scenario earlier, you know they're already over the luxury tax, and they're going to want to sign Judge and, and Sanchez and. The Astros don't sign stupid contracts. They go get the Michael Brantleys of the world, and then they win their division anyway. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's probably going to be a National League team that gives it to him. And I just, I'm not a Mookie guy. And I, Jeremy, you and I, we're going to cry the smallest rivers, apparently, compared to everyone else. I mean, Matt. Matt, where are you? Like, just in terms of your fandom of Mookie, is he? Is that going to be a sad day? I, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't hate the guy. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't dislike him. I think he's just. That's the one thing I think that 
we look at some of these teams that we've had in the past, whether and, and you had some big personalities on there, like the Ortizes, like the Kevin Millars. Uh, we had it. Um, you know, you've just had these larger than life personalities, and I think we became accustomed to that. Mookie Betts is kind of a quiet dude that just goes about his business and, and stays out of the limelight. I think Major Major League Baseball has tried to push him a little bit more. They've tried to push Trout. I mean, Trout's kind of a, a guy that you don't see him out there a lot. I think that's that's kind of a tough thing for, for Major League Baseball right now is to have two of your biggest stars be these guys who are kind of introverts who aren't really out in the spotlight. You're not seeing him on, for as great as he is, you're not seeing him in a ton of ads. You're not seeing... You just don't have it. Not, I see more ads and more uh, public appearances and more stuff from David Ortiz than, than I do Mookie Betts. And Ortiz has been retired for a few years now. And, you know, Betts just, he, uh, again, I, I you know, he's kind of that guy that he's, he's in the world bowling championships and he's out doing other things. He's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he's been great for the Red Sox. He's, he's just, you know, he, he's done his job but he's just quiet I, I think that i don't think the team has any issue with him i think it seems like he gets along well with the team but there there really isn't any big personalities outside of maybe david price and that's kind of in a negative way that most of these guys are just professionals who go about their business I, i'd argue you know name one guy that's kind of a the guy that you get super, I mean, I mean, yes, we get excited about watching, uh, you know, like Bogarts and Endeavors this year, but they're just, I, I don't know, it's not a, it's not, I, I think we were spoiled a little bit by Ortiz, and, and we don't have that big personality anymore, and sometimes that's not a bad thing, you just have a bunch of guys that get down in the trenches and get things done and, and go about their business, but... I don't have a problem with him coming back. I've enjoyed watching him. Uh, he's, you know, seems like a happy enough guy, but I don't want to do it at the cost of you giving him so much money that you really can't field a legitimate team going forward just to save a fan favorite. I don't think it's worth it at that point. So you really, there, there are a lot of huge contracts. And listen, the Red Sox can pony up as much money as they want. Um, that, that luxury tax is a suggested, uh, a suggested cap area, but it's, you know, these guys blow through it all the time. So, and you do have some big contracts coming off. You do still have uh, Pablo Sandoval, who's still getting paid. Uh, you have a number of these guys. There is going to be some money freed up, but as we saw this year and we've hit uh, on a million times, there's no depth. There's no bullpen. You have a lot of holes that you're going to have to fill. So, uh, while they have some young talent and some cheap guys that are coming up to fill some of those holes, um, I don't know. You can't exactly go out there and give them $40 million a year. Yeah, I mean, this year is exactly why you don't you don't give huge contracts. And, you know, we've been paying for it all year long. And the Astros, in my opinion, smartest team in baseball, and you know they they make great value moves and and that you know they're a threat every year and and they're gonna be for a long time so i mean we need to we need to get smart analytically you know and and uh economically and you know maybe we won't be 
you know, sitting on the couch every year after a World Series, you know, like has been the case the last couple of times. Um, but let me r- wrap up with this last thing, then we'll get in the preview. Like when we when I talk about I don't like Mookie, I didn't like Windance or Pete. I, I just I didn't like that. It just I wasn't into it and you know, up until before the World Series, all we did was choke in the playoffs and it just drove me nuts. I, I just I don't like those Red Sox. I like I like the two thousand four team. I like the mentality that team had with A Rod and, and Veritech fighting, you know, Veritech protecting his pitcher and getting in A Rod's face and Kurt Schilling, you know, with his bloody sock and I just I like the toughness. I, I want to see a team that's tough. I, I don't want the cute, adorable team. You know, it's just I'm just not into it. I guess. Yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah, and and and, uh, and Terry loves when I use other sports as a as an example, but to me, I he's do. defining the the Patriots. <laughs> They're not cute. They're actually not likable to everyone else. And I love that they're not likable. Yeah. And I love that the, the Patriots are willing to say, bleep you, um, we're just going to win. We don't care what you think. This, this team, this, that's not this team. That's not this collection of dudes. It's just not. I know. And uh, speaking of loving, you know, going off topic or outside the sport with the Patriots, Giselle Bunchen, however she says it, Going to be worth $1 billion. She will exceed that in career earnings, according to Business Insider. So that kind of... No one's questioning questioning that. It's just you can't say that Brady is who he is because of Giselle Bunchen. That's just ridiculous. That's not what I said. I said he doesn't care about money because of Giselle. They're, you know... She's the moneymaker anyway. He, He signed his first extension... Before, when he was still dating Bridget Moynihan. So, I mean, I'll just leave it at that. And uh, we want to turn this into a Patriots podcast. Terry, let's start a Patriots I'm just, podcast. I'm talking I'm about in. the last 10 years of his career. He's playing because he loves it. I'm talking about his whole career. He's never taken a top-of-the-market deal. Even after he won two World Series in his first three, uh, three, uh, three in his first four years as a starter. He, was, he had not met Giselle. He had already taken a below-market deal. So I mean, look, we I, we'll talk. Well, look, I'll talk football till you're, you know, red in the face, Terrence. So it, it doesn't matter. But anyways, let's get it. Let's get in before Terry and I start hating each other because it's been a relatively friendly podcast. Uh, and trust saying. me, I love when Terry tells me to go pound sand. But let's talk about the Red Sox. We got a a series we're going to get smoked in, so we're all looking forward to that. We got Erod versus Zach Plezak on tomorrow, seven ten. Sale versus Clevenger. Uh, it's going to be uh, another loss on Tuesday, and then the series wraps on Wednesday before we face the Orioles uh, after a day off on Friday. That's a TBD against Shane Bieber, who has been really, really freaking good. Uh, just as a uh, just as an aside, because we all know about the Red Sox starting pitching woes. Please, Zach, six and three, three point one three ERA. Clevenger seven and two with a three point oh two ERA, Bieber twelve and four with a three point two ERA. This could be sweep territory because the Cleveland Indians are trending in the right direction and we are not. Guys, thoughts? 
Well, uh, game one, um, Rodriguez, I can't remember. He didn't look great in his last start, did he? I don't believe he did. But, I mean, this is this is the team that will effectively end our season, I feel like. Um, you know, we have Rodriguez going. We have Sale going. Game three is a loss. We're not going to beat Shane Bieber. You know, he's the successor to Kluber. Could be the next Max Scherzer, for all I know. You know, I mean, he's he's an ace in the making. And um, game one, Rodriguez against Plesak. Plesak's been outstanding. Two starts ago, he did get tagged for four runs against the Houston Astros, who can make anybody look bad. Um Gave up no earned runs in his most recent start against Texas. Start before the uh, Astros, he went seven scoreless innings against the Royals. Uh, let's see. I'm not sure why he had a three-inning uh, appearance against Detroit, but that was scoreless. And uh, anyway, so I just... We're catching a young pitcher at, you know, at the right time. He made his debut against Boston, by the way. Um, last May, going five and one third, uh, only giving up one run on four hits. So, um, he's already pitched very well against us, and I just I think Francona's team is is peaking at the right time. And uh, if this was in June, I I'd try to paint a picture of optimism here. How Erod's pitching well, and we got the number one offense in the league, but. I just, I I don't know, I, and this this is in Cleveland as well. So I think I think, yeah, I'm I'm giving I'm giving game one to uh, Cleveland. I agree with that. I I just I think they get swept. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't see this. Erod hasn't been pitching like the solid Erod from right after the All Star break. He's again back to nibbling, high pitch counts done. You know, after five innings, he's already at 110 pitches. So uh, I don't, I don't see that going well. Um, I, I could see the Sale game, Sale Clevenger, Sale pitching well but just not getting any offense to back him and, and losing that one. I, I could see that being a really quick, uh, very quick game um, and have it be like a one nothing, 2 nothing game, 2-1 game, something like that. And then TBD versus Bieber, uh, whatever turd they throw out there that day is probably going to get smashed. Um so I, I don't see this going very well. I think they get swept. I think this is the end of the season. I think they effectively quit the day after the uh, trade deadline anyway, So um, or maybe even the day before that. So I'm not even I'm not optimistic about any of this. Matt's officially broken. It's like a dog who stops peeing in the house at this point. Um, <laughs> Matt, welcome to reality, bud. Uh, yeah, I, you know, this team is good led by a manager. I still adore. Um, I think the guy's just a top three manager. I think he's a top 25 manager, maybe even better than that. in the history of baseball, 
I really think that highly of Terry Francona. And there's a reason why his teams are good every year. Because he's good. Because he handles the media appropriately. He 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 protects his players when they're worth protecting. He he challenges them when they're worth challenging. He just does everything right. And that's one of the reasons why Cleveland is what they are. So Look, at the end of the day, Clevenger's better than Sale. I have them probably winning. I don't know how. I'm probably going to bet the Indians to win the whole series. Um, you know, I gamble on these games. I've recently stopped betting on the Red Sox. Uh, so I'm either betting against them or betting on different games. And I really like Cleveland in this series, um, especially when you have guys like Erod and Sale going, where if you're betting and you guys know the, the people that are listening to this podcast at Gamble on Sports know, you're probably going to get the Indians at plus money at home. So um, really like Clevenger in the start uh, against Sale, uh, despite his last start. So uh, Clevenger has had seven quality starts in a row. Uh, we're kind of catching him while he's on a tear and been one of the real quieter number two, number three guys across Major League Baseball. And, you know, so that – and Sale has struggled. That's a game – I guess I'll go with a sweep as well. I, it's tough for me to really be optimistic here. Another uh, thing to look out for, and, and I think this is what makes Cleveland uh, a really smart organization, is uh, they got a guy named Hunter Wood from the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, he's ha- only had two appearances so far uh, as a Cleveland Indian. Uh, one of them was a two-inning uh, appearance, but hasn't given up an earned run, you know, at least a strikeout per appearance. ERA on the season, this is a stunner to me. He's got a 225 ERA. Like, why did the Rays even trade him? <laughs> I just, it's crazy to me. So he'll slot in there with Simber and, and uh, Brad Hand. And um, it's just this team is, is – I wouldn't be surprised if they go to the World Series. I, I really wouldn't. And I know the Astros are loaded. You know, they, they can trot out Verlander, Cole, and Grinky, and, and then, oh, by the way, they have Aaron Sanchez who pitched very well. Uh, in his debut with the Astros and and Wade Miley, who has a 2.95 ERA for the year, but there's just something about this Indians team that just makes me think they can really wreak havoc. And they're gonna get Kluber back. They traded Bauer, by the way. They're they're gonna do all of this without Trevor Bauer. And I just when. And when you mention Francona being the greatest, you know, one of the greatest managers of this era, and I think he might be top 10 of all time. I don't know. What he did in 2016 with that Indians team, which basically had an ace and two spot starters in their rotation because Bauer sucked. He hadn't broken out yet, you know, and, and had an ERA close to five on the season. And then cut his finger on a drone and, and wasn't even useful for part of that that run. That they, he took that team to Game Seven and they didn't. Ha- their best player was out with a shoulder injury, Michael Brantley. 
and and I just I think that was Francona's most impressive performance of all of his previous playoff performances, including being down three to nothing against the Yankees in the ALCS. The guy's unbelievable and probably going to be the best Red Sox manager, you know, of our lifetime, I would say. Whoa, 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 slow your roll. (laughs) Did you forget about John Farrell and Bobby Valentine? (laughs) I think it's time to to apologize right now. Clearly, Grady Little. Oh, Grady Little. Too little, too late. I wasn't like a hardcore fan during the Grady era, so I can't really have an opinion on him. Well, Look, at the end of the day, I, I don't think anyone in our age bracket, so we'll put that at, what, the 34 to 55 demo. Like, he's he's the best. And, and, Terry, I don't disagree with you that he's potentially top 10 in the last 25 years. I, I actually feel very comfortable with that. I... Um, I was being conservative because I hadn't put any thought into it until I was basically saying what I said. But at the end of the day, like he overcame a, a, a massive situation with the with the curse, um, with doing it in Boston and 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 everything else, uh, and then to do it again and again, and then to leave and go to Cleveland and do it with them as consistently as he's done. I mean, anyone who could say that Terry Francona is not a top. I'll say it, top 10 manager, I think, is not operating in reality. I mean, he's been fantastic. By the way, it's he also overcame Boston for whatever reason, ethering and sewering him as he left Boston. For no reason, by the way. Uh, uh, fantasizing or, 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 or overblowing some sort of perceived pill issue, uh, they brought into light when no one was talking about it, a, a potential thing with his ex-wife and, and infidelity. I mean, they, they literally sewered him for no reason, but basically to try to justify having to fire him over beer and chicken. Uh, and then he basically sat out a year and then came back uh, and has been probably the best manager in baseball, in my opinion. So, look, Terry Francona is a good dude, and he runs a good operation, and uh, I think Alex Okor is, is, is a good manager, so I'm not like as upset as I was two years ago, but I still wish that Francona was our manager because I do think he's that good. Um, and then we all agree, I think, on game three, Shane Bieber is going to beat whatever bullshit. Darn it. Dollar in the swear jar. Well, we're an hour and uh, 50 minutes in, so... Um. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is I don't ridiculous. know if there's many 10-year-olds still listening, but if they are, dollar in the swear jar. Look, they're going to lose. They're going to lose the series, and I agree with both of what you guys have said, which is this is the the uh, doomsday, you know, curtains, you know, that this is going to be it. It just has to be. They're, the Indians are trending the right way. They're too good. They're too talented. They're managed well. I mean, everything that we're not, they are right now. And for that reason, I, I just think this is at best a two out of three loss situation. And the Twins just lost Nelson Cruz, which is going to hurt them quite a bit. He had like 16 home runs in like two weeks after the uh, the uh, All-Star break. So just 
I think the Indians are going to run away with it, and I think the Red Sox are going to help them. So, uh, all right, guys. Well, we'll uh, we'll call it a show finally, and uh, discuss our misery on uh, uh, Wednesday. Or is it when does the series start? Tomorrow or Tuesday? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. They're they're off Thursday before facing the Orioles on Friday. Gentlemen, Matt, good night. Have a good night, guys. Also, I just want to point out that the Giants beat the uh, Patriots in two <laughs> Super Bowls. Just want to point that out. Thanks. Hey, dumbass. We've been in 17 Super Bowls since. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> There's a shirt. It says, it says 18 wins and one giant loss. That's, I don't know. Anyway, have a good night, guys. All right, episode 159 in the books. I apologize for the length, but if you enjoyed it, great. Uh, we, we definitely enjoy uh, doing these, which is why we do them. And uh, great logic there. Uh, so, yeah, Sox Indians tomorrow. Everyone have a good start to your work week. And we will be back with you on Wednesday night. Take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. Time to party. Right here. 3-2. High and He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it?